Welcome to the Limitless Mindset Podcast. This podcast will teach you to acquire superhuman mental abilities and hack your reality. In this episode, we give nine travel hacks and tips for getting the most out of a trip to Central America. We discuss going on a technology cleanse while traveling, and Woody gives several high-tech travel resources. Jonathan, and I recently returned from a 60-day trip to Costa Rica and Panama. During this trip, I had a really wide variety of experiences that I'll value for the rest of my life, and I also have, I think, some pretty cool travel hacks and mindsets that came out of this trip that I'd like to share. Now, Some of you, there's probably a lot of you out there that already understand the value in travel, but for those of you who don't, I'd like to just take a minute to make the case for it. For someone that wants to become limitless, 
traveling and seeing the world is 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 undebatably one of the most valuable things that you could spend your time or your money doing when you travel and you see other cultures and you speak other languages and you interact with people and you see some of the things that you can only see if you get out of your city and get on an airplane and cross an ocean, though the things that open up your mind and the opportunities that will present themselves to you and the lessons that you can learn about life and the things that you can learn about yourself and what your purpose is in the world and how you can help people in the world and how people can help you in the world and how you can get ahead in life, you just have an opportunity when you're outside, when you're far outside of your own comfort zone, which is, and I'm talking about your geographic comfort zone. I'm talking about the city or the state or the the country that you currently reside in and that you currently have your life in. When you take the when you take the time and the money to get outside of that comfort zone, you're gonna learn a lot of things about yourself, and it's gonna give you more opportunities to become limitless. I, I'm gonna categorize travel into three different types of travel and there's one type of travel that I think is actually going to be the most valuable. So the first type of travel is what a lot of people think of when they think of traveling and this is tourism. So this is when people are taking a week off of work or off of whatever they do and they buy a plane ticket and they go and head somewhere else. Maybe it's a little bit longer than a week, maybe it's two weeks, maybe it's ten days and they arrive at their destination and they check into a hotel or a resort and they go and do a lot of sightseeing and they go and drink a lot of beer at night and then after their week or their time is over then they head back. That's the first type of travel. The second type of travel is people that take their time a little bit more and they go and pick out you know a country or two countries or three or four or maybe even more and they travel for multiple months or multiple weeks and they spend about two, three, four days in each destination that they get to. That's type of travel number three. Uh, I'm sorry, that's number two. Number three is when you take a period of several months to travel and what you do is you pick out two or three destinations that you're going to be spending at least several weeks at each destination. And when you arrive there, you don't plan out a very, very specific itinerary. What you do is you do your research beforehand to make sure that you're picking out places that you're going to be comfortable in for a period of a week to several weeks. And then you arrive at those places and you just start going around and making friends and meeting new people. And this third type is the type of travel that I would suggest to someone that wants to have the very best experience, that wants to grow and learn the most from your travel. And the reason behind this is that when you're in a single geographic location, be it you know a city or if it's a smaller country or if you're around a location if you're in a single place for a little while, you have an opportunity to learn a whole lot more about that place. You're going to start to learn the language there. 
you may even get conversationally fluent in the language there in that amount of time because if you're completely immersed in a culture, if you're talking to people every day, all day in a language, you'd be very surprised at how quickly you can pick it up. And you're also going to put down some roots in that place. So for example, when I was on my most recent trip, each place that I spent time at, I can look back and say that I have some real genuine friendships or real business opportunities that have came out of that specific geographic location as a result of the time that I spent there. So my suggestion would be if you are traveling as opposed to picking out 12 different places that you want to go and 25 different things that you want to see and do and you know picking out a big long list of restaurants you want to eat at or sightseeing destinations I would go and pick out two or three places two or three cities or geographic locations that really appeal to you and then going there and leaving some room open for uh, being sporadic and for uh, you know, whim of the moment type decisions to go and see and do things and make new friends. So that would be travel tip number one. Uh, That's one of the biggest things that I can suggest. Second thing is I would recommend finding someone that has lodging who needs a website. Now, a lot of the people that listen to this podcast, I would be willing to bet, have a level of competency with IT, technology things, etc. And what you'll find as you're traveling is that there's a lot of really excellent people, good people um, that have businesses in developing countries that know absolutely next to nothing about websites and technology and the type of internet strategy stuff that people here in America or in the Western world is almost common knowledge to have a grasp of. And so on my trip, I managed to barter about a month of room, board, and very, very good food in exchange for a website that I developed. And it was, I I, I will always count this as one of the very best deals that I ever did because it, it was a website that I built using some open source tools, which are very easy to work with. They're very accessible. They're for the most part free. And I was able to develop a website in a relatively short amount of time and barter that into a month that was a month of awesome experiences and making new friends and being able to practice Spanish language and immerse myself in the culture. So if you're a person that has some competency doing some web strategy or web development type stuff, which I would, I'd be willing to bet around 40 to 50% of the people that listen to this podcast do, or who knows, maybe you know someone that does that you can bring with you on a trip, go and Find someone that has a nice uh, a, a nice piece of lodging nearby where you want to stay and offer to make them that deal. And I think you'll get some really good results out of that. The best way to find someone like this, I would just go on a website like say tripadvisor.com or you could go on airbnb.com. Maybe you could go on any one of these hyper-local travel websites that does directories that are geographically specific and then just look for lodging, look for uh, lodging that's close by where you wanna be 
that doesn't have a website or has a very unattractive website at the moment and, you know, contact them and be like, hey, I can, you know, do this deal for you. I'll, I'll stay there and hang out there. In my case, I was able to get a full month of room, board, and food. I'm not sure if you're going to be able to get that much time, but um, for what it takes to create something like that, it's pretty easy overall. If you are traveling to a Spanish-speaking country, and I personally highly recommend Central America and South America for vagabonding trips, there's a couple of reasons why I recommend this area for vagabonding trips. The majority of the people that listen to this podcast, I forget what the statistic is off the top of my head, but I think it's somewhere around like 70 to 80% of the people that listen to this podcast are in America or Canada. So Central America and South America is very close to you. In a lot of cases, it's only going to be a five to $600 round trip airplane ticket. So it's a whole lot more affordable than seeing China or, or seeing Asia or Europe or some of those other destinations. It's a language that's pretty easy to learn. And I'm going to give a couple of suggestions here shortly as to ways to speed up your adoption of the language. It's it's an easy language to uh, to learn. If you're an English speaker, it's, it's pretty easy for English speakers to pick up. And it's also, re- it's also very affordable in South American and Central American countries. So the amount of money that you might spend if you were, say, traveling in Europe. Now, there are some ways to travel on a budget in Europe, but I'm sure that'll be the the subject of a podcast at some point in the future. But the amount of money that it costs to travel in Europe, um, you know, maybe a week's trip in Europe could equal a month in Central America if you're if you're very uh, you know if you're if you're very savvy about your budget. So I would highly recommend um, Central and South America as a travel destination. So if you're doing that, you want to learn Spanish, but the problem is you may not have the time or the money to take Spanish classes. And once you get there, once you get there on the ground, you're going to want to be having adventures, seeing the sights, making friends. You're not going to want to have your head in a in a foreign language textbooks. So what I would recommend is searching in iTunes, the same place that you probably found this podcast show, searching for Spanish language podcasts. That And they have an, uh, several shows out there. My favorite one was called Discover Spanish, and we will make sure that we have a link to that in the show notes. But there was a number of Spanish language shows out there that were free to download and they would have people on the shows talking and giving the Spanish phrases and then they'd give the, give the English uh, translations of them and then they'd give a pause for you to say it so that you could practice it as well. So I found that that was a really excellent way to brush up on my Spanish. So the time that you spent on, that you spend, you know, in airports, on airplanes, on buses, time you spend walking around, that sort of thing, your commuting time while traveling, which is actually a big chunk of time, you can put to real productive uh, use. The next thing I would highly suggest is that you try to speak Spanish to people even if you kind of suck at it, which in the beginning, 
you're not going to have a tremendous amount of confidence about starting conversations with new people, but it's kind of one of those things that you just got to bite the bullet and go ahead and do. What I would recommend when you're first starting to learn Spanish is to start with small questions that will lead to small conversations, because that way, you know, if you go and ask a question that leads into a big long conversation you're going to get pretty lost because of your grasp of the language so I would recommend asking things like where is the kitchen at do you work here what are you reading what are you studying where are you from these type of questions are very easy to memorize the, tra the translations from them and it's pretty easy to memorize and grasp what people's responses are to you. Also, I would recommend using this line while you're practicing, and here it is. Necesito practicar mi español más. Tal vez me puedes dar una pequeña lesión. And so that means I need to practice my Spanish a little bit more. Perhaps you can give me a lesson. So when you're chatting with someone, that's a great line to drop because it lets them know that you're a person that's trying to grasp their language and that you look to them as a little bit of a authority. And you'd be surprised. A lot of people are really nice and they'll go and take a little bit of time out of their day to give you a really short little lesson teaching you something or other. No one man should have all that power. No one man should have all In the 2011 movie Limitless, the main character takes a clear pill which endows superhuman mental abilities, which allow for him to become a master communicator, creative genius, and a wealthy, powerful businessman virtually overnight. While the movie and the drug in it are fictional, there certainly are real-life supplements that can significantly enhance your brain power, memory, and cognitive abilities. If you are committed to reaching your greatest potential, you are definitely going to want to check out the marketplace of brain power products and supplements on LimitlessMindset.com. This marketplace is built with ratings and review software that allows you to see what brain power supplements and products are creating the most powerful results for other members of the Limitless Mindset community. Go to LimitlessMindset.com backslash marketplace today to find the neurotropic supplement or brain power product that is right for you. Another tip that helps when you are approaching new people and you're beginning a conversation, I like to start by saying this, tengo un pregunta. So that means I have a question. And so one thing that's a little bit confusing in, I think, I think in the vast majority of languages is the conjugations, which are the, you know, what's the future infinitive conjugation of to be hungover, for example. Anyways, so you want to 
what I try to do is I try to avoid confusing myself with conjugations. So if I'm beginning a sentence with a question, which is the majority of sentences, if I begin by saying tango un pregunta, tango is the, that's going to be my first uh, verb. So I am not going to have to conjugate anything other than that in the sentence. I can just use the uh, the, the non-conjugated form, which makes it a little bit easier, so that that way you're not confusing yourself with your with your conjugations, which is um, an important part of any language, certainly, but it can get a little bit confusing at times. Next tip is to do a Jack Sparrow, a Captain Jack Sparrow, when you forget your vocabulary. Okay, this might sound a little bit silly, but it's actually pretty fun to do, and it'll help. So, you've probably seen one of the Pirates of the Caribbean films, where Johnny Depp is the eccentric, uh, confident Captain Jack Sparrow. And you'll notice what Captain Jack Sparrow will do is he'll be talking to some people, and he'll pause mid-sentence, stare deeply off into the horizon and then he'll make some flamboyant gesture and then he'll finish his thought. And so I would recommend doing this a little bit. I know it sounds a little bit silly, but you have to realize that I would recommend doing this when you forget your vocabulary and this will happen to you all the time. So as opposed to being like, um, ah, uh, mm, okay, or switching back to English, go and pause for a minute and go and do a Jack Sparrow. And you might feel a little bit goofy the first couple times that you do it, but keep in mind, like, you're a foreigner in a foreign land right now. So people expect you to be a little bit odd. And by doing a Jack Sparrow, you come across as a little bit more confident than someone, than just some random tourist or traveler that has forgotten their vocabulary. Another tip for learn another tip for learning Spanish here if if you really want to gain permission to insult the grammar of someone's native language and let's be honest because that's exactly what you're going to be doing here while you're you're speaking Spanish it's inevitable uh, a good idea to get on people's good side while you're screwing up their language is to learn a couple of little jokes to get started off on the right foot because what's what's funnier or cuter or more endearing than a person that doesn't really know how to speak your language very well yet is still trying to tell jokes at the same time I I think that's that's pretty uh, endearing and that was my experience when I was abroad so if you're spending time in Costa Rica and a lot of people spend time in Costa Rica and you are let's say in a social setting you're at a bar um, people are consuming alcohol say okay I've got a I've got a proverb uh, you'd say you'd say tango un proverba I've got a proverb and people would be like okay really what's your proverb and here's what your proverb is it would be evite la cruda permanezca borracho and so this means avoid the hangover stay junk stay drunk so it's kind of a silly thing to say it's a 
Costa Rican proverb, according to this little book that I found and read part of in Costa Rica. So I'm not sure the, the validity of it, but it's pretty funny. And since you're calling it a proverb when it's obviously not, it makes it cute. Now, keep in mind, the word for hangover changes by the country you go from. So in Costa Rica, it's La Cruda. In Panama, it's La Goma, and I'm not sure what it is in other countries, so you might want to check and ask around before you start using that joke. Another thing that's kind of funny in Spanish is the word for wife. Some of you may know it. It is esposa. Now, the word, the plural word for wives is esposas. What's humorous about this is that esposas is also the word for handcuffs. So people will find that. People, they know that, that that's already there, but when you point it out as a foreigner, they'll, 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 they'll appreciate that you're paying attention to their language. Another thing that's really fun to do in social situations is to ask members of the opposite sex to teach you charming things to say in their language. So let's say that you're a single person and you are traveling abroad and you're hanging out with a group of people that speak a different language than you do. You would say, hey, can you teach me some, what would, if I was in France, for example, and I was trying to be charming to a girl, what, what is the saying that I would want to say? And then they'll go and spend a bunch of time trying to teach you charming things to say in their language while at the same time saying those charming things to you and you saying them back to them. So it ends up being a really great, fun way to learn new vocabulary and flirt at the at the same time. All right, so this is Woody, and my first tip is book red-eye flights so that you can sleep in the air because you only have a limited amount of time, and so if you can sleep in the air, then that's time that you're not sleeping at your destination. So a couple tips is bring noise-deadening headphones, and if you can, order Valerian Root. There's a lot of natural sleeping aids that will help you sleep at an airport. Uh, there's a website that you can check out. It's called sleepinginairports.net. Once again, that's sleepinginairports.net. And it's a cool website that just talks to you about all the different websites and compares, you know, just <laughs> the how to sleep there. So check that out and just get tips on your trip to help sleep in the airport. Also, if you're taking a train, a lot of trains have sleeping compartments, and that's sort of not an American thing to do, you know, because we don't really take trains that often. So if you are abroad and you, your train does have a sleeping compartment, utilize that. Take that sleeping compartment and sleep for a couple hours so that you can spend your time doing what you want to do and not being exhausted and jet lagged. As far as sleeping at airports, I can speak from experience a little bit about that. If you're a budget traveler, 
you're going to probably spend a couple of your nights at places like hostels and places that don't have the most comfortable beds. And in a lot of those cases, the air sleeping on at an airport is actually going to be very similar to the, uh, the accommodations that you might have to pay money for. And sleeping at an airport is free. And on the website, sleeping at airports.net, some of some airports actually have some really excellent accommodations. They've got like cots that they bring out and they've got designated sleeping areas where they keep the lights low and also if you think about it too sleeping at an airport is also pretty safe because what kind of person is gonna is gonna walk up and you know steal something from you at an airport when there's tons of cameras observing everything I would think I would hope not very many people so it would seem to me that it'd be a pretty safe thing to do and it would also save you a whole lot of time especially if you've got a flight there the very next morning I know I had a time that I had to leave for a flight at 2 a.m. in the morning, and so I made the foolish decision to stay at a hostel, and so I ended up spending 15 bucks staying at the hostel, and then I ended up paying another $20 to a taxi cab when I could have just slept on, you know, I'm sure as comfortable a sleeping area at the airport and done it for free and not had to worry about waking up quite so early. So I'd recommend if you're on the budget, on the budget travel trip, check out sleeping at airports.com. Yeah, cash money heroes, private jets, polish. To connect with the Limitless Mindset community, along with a chance to win free neurotropic brain supplements and other awesome prizes, please give our Facebook page a like at facebook.com backslash Limitless Mindset. If you found this podcast to be informative and entertaining, please give us a five-star review in iTunes or whatever podcast directory you are listening and write us a review letting us know what you think of the show. And remember that the best compliment we can ever hope to receive is you sharing the show with a friend. Speaking of transportation, I'd like to give you some insights into that. I would recommend trying to avoid renting a car as much as possible. If you're traveling in Central America, the majority of the Central American countries have state subsidized bus systems that are actually pretty efficient. They will have these really large, comfortable, greyhound style buses that are air conditioned and climate controlled and high off the ground and, you know, have secure luggage compartments. And these buses are also very, very inexpensive. They're state subsidized. I managed to get I managed to make a large trip from San Jose to Panama City, which is several hundred miles for about $42 using this bus system. And I would also recommend, if possible, um, avoid, avoid renting a car because the rental companies down there will rent you these cars that 
the only way I can describe them is just wimpy. They're these these very small little Econo European style vehicles, and you can't fit very much stuff in them. They don't have very good suspension, so you're going to be bouncing on the road the entire time. And the gas is somewhat expensive down there also, so you're going to be spending quite a bit at the pump. And then the insurance is high on these vehicles also because of a lot of the quality of the roads down there causes the vehicles to get beat up frequently. So your car is going to get, it's inevitably probably going to get beat up a little bit. So you're going to get hit with some insurance charges. And then on top of that, apparently a lot of tourists Went, would go down to Costa Rica and they'd go and beat up their rentals and then they drop their rentals off and just fly out of the country. So they actually made it illegal in Costa Rica to leave the country if you have unpaid fines on your rental vehicle. So if you go out and get in an accident in your rental vehicle and you, you know, and you run up several thousand dollars in fines, they'll actually keep you in the country until you can pay those fines. So you'll find that down there, the taxi services are very, very inexpensive. I was amazed in Panama City, you can get a taxi that'll take you almost, uh, that'll take you across the entire city, and this is a large metropolitan city, for about four bucks, maybe three bucks if you're a girl. Um, they're very, the whole taxi system is very, very affordable, and the bus system is very convenient. So I would recommend, unless you have a big family and you're just traveling with a ton of stuff and you absolutely need your own transportation, I would avoid using the vehicles down there. Another travel, another travel, I don't know if we can call this a travel hack, but I know a travel thing that will definitely make your experience a whole lot more better and give you a much better experience for your travel dollar is I would recommend staying at a hostel. Now, most people worldwide know what a hostel is, but interestingly, a lot of Americans don't know what a hostel is. So I should take a minute to explain it. A hostel is kind of like a cheap hotel that you stay at that is a very, very social environment. And a lot of times people will associate hostels as places where you stay in a dormitory where it's kind of like summer camp style and all hostels do have dormitory setups where you'll have either bunk beds or you'll be, you know, sleeping in some proximity to other people. However, the majority of hostels will also have private rooms in them. And what I found doing comparison shopping was that private rooms and hostels were almost always a significantly better value over a room in a hotel or a motel. <clears throat> you can go on a website like hostelworld.com or hostelbookers.com or veyway.com and these websites have large, uh, large databases worldwide of hostels and what you'll see is that you can usually get a private bedroom in a hostel for somewhere from anywhere from 15 bucks up to $40 a night if you're staying at you know in a, in a really expensive town 
And whereas your hotel rooms are almost always going to be around double that. And when you're in the hostel, you're going to, the, the breakfast is usually included in the hostel. So you're going to get a free meal included. And you're also going to meet a lot of people that you're going to have all kinds of adventures with. What I found when I was staying at a hostel is that I would go down to breakfast in the morning and I would just walk into breakfast and there'd be some new random travelers in there. And so I'd sit down and start talking to them and they might be from the Americas. They might be from Europe. They would be from all over. So you sit down, you start talking and you make some friends. And then during the daytime, I would go out to a cafe and work on my laptop somewhere. And then around the nighttime, I would head back to the hostel and I'd run back into those people. And then we'd end up going out to a discotheque or we'd go out to dinner or we'd go sightseeing. And it's just a really awesome way of making friends. Even if you're traveling alone, you'll find that you'll have it'll be a very rare night that you don't have anyone to hang out with and do something interesting with so I'd recommend unless you're someone that just absolutely needs to have modern accommodations go and check out hostelworld.com and hostelbookers.com because it'll save you a lot of money and it'll significantly enrich the the social aspect of your trip next travel hack, I would like to talk about how to stay healthy on your trip because a lot of people will travel abroad and are concerned about or they will get very sick while they are traveling. And I just spent 60 days above, 60 days abroad uh, drinking the water, drinking the beer, eating whatever, eating whatever food I wanted to eat. And I managed to stay healthy the entire time. And this is the diet that I was on uh, pretty much every day was I was eating fresh garlic. I was eating coconuts and black coffee. So fresh garlic, and by the way, fresh garlic is really cheap any part of the world that you're in. I would go to the store, buy a clove of fresh garlic, and I would eat, I would actually unwrap the fresh garlic and just stick it in my mouth and eat it. And I know that sounds like it might be a little bit spicy, and the first couple times you do it, it definitely, uh, it hurts a little bit. You know, it's like it's like eating really, really, really uh, strong hot sauce, but after you've done it a couple of times, you'll develop a little bit of a tolerance to it, and that garlic will keep your immune system really, really pumped up the whole time. If you're traveling in Central America, coconuts are going to be a plentiful resource anywhere you are. In fact, most of the places I stayed, I could walk outside and grab a coconut off of a tree, punch a hole in it, drink the coconut juice. And so coconut juice is very, very high in antioxidants and a bunch of really great natural things that are good for your body. It'll give you a lot of energy. It'll help you get over your Caribbean and Central American hangovers, which is nice. So I would recommend eating coconuts. And then after you, you can drink the coconut. And then after you drink it, what you do is you go and throw it on the ground or you throw it on a rock and it'll break open. And so then you wash it because it'll you know have a little bit of dirt in it after you throw it on the ground and you you wash it out and then you can eat the inside of the coconut and it's really delicious so it's like a drink and a snack all in one 
And if they, they're extremely inexpensive. I, I think you can usually buy about two coconuts for a dollar down there. And then I'd recommend drinking a lot of ba- uh, black coffee because it's also very, very high in antioxidants. And if you're down there in Central America, well, that's where they make the very best coffee in the whole world. Now, I should let you guys know that at the very end of the trip, actually when I was on the airplane coming back, I actually did get sick. I actually got the most sick that I've gotten in about 10 years. And I'd like to tell you why this happened. So for the last approximately two days of my trip, I was spending a lot of time on buses and I was checking into hostels late and I was at the airport waiting around on flights. So I was breaking one of my own personal rules. I was not eating very healthy. In fact, I was eating mostly just junk food. I was mostly just grabbing things off of shelves of gas stations or food dispensing machines and I was not eating very healthy. And by the time I was on the airplane, my body was just very angry at me and telling me that, Jonathan, this was not good food you put in. We need to get rid of this stuff ASAP. And I actually got pretty sick. So what I would recommend is that take a little time for preparation of your food. For if you're going to spend a day or two days on the road, you know, try to make sure that you've got some some good food prepared so that you don't end up eating some junk food because you will get sick. I get sick very infrequently and I'm pretty sure that down there in Central America, their junk food is probably created even to lower standards than it is created here in Denver. So as far as staying healthy again, uh, eat a lot of garlic eat coconuts and black coffee. Stay far away from the junk food. Next, I would like to talk about how to handle money when you're traveling abroad because this can be a little bit of a confusing thing for a lot of people. They're like, well, should we bring traveler's checks in case we lose our money? Then traveler's checks are convenient. Or should we go and bring money and then change it up at the Cambio, which is the money changer at the airport? I wouldn't recommend doing either of those things. I would recommend just bringing multiple debit cards. When you're in Central America, ATMs are not very hard to find. And if you have a a normal standard Visa debit card, which I believe the vast majority of the banks issue, you're going to be able to go to virtually any ATM down there and pull out currency in either the local currency or pull it out in American dollars. And I would say in Central America, probably about 20% of the businesses will take American dollars. So you're not, so you'll be able to spend that money there and then you can pull out the local currency. And then the only, the only fees you have to worry about are the normal ATM fees that your bank charges you. So I'd recommend pulling out, you know, a hundred to 200 bucks at a time so that you're not costing yourself too much. And then a lot of the merchants, I'd say about 70 to 80% of the merchants down there are going to take Visa cards also. They have merchant services. So that way you don't have to worry about your traveler's checks. You don't have to worry about changing money and the fees associated with those things. Just just bring multiple debit cards. The reason I recommend multiple debit cards is let's say you lose your wallet one night 
Um, you don't want to be stuck with no money in another country. So if you bring a couple, put each one in each bag that you have in a discreet location. Or if your hostel or your hotel has a place where you can lock things up, put your debit cards there so that that way, if you do lose one, you can just go and you know call up your 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 uh, your credit card company, cancel that card, go and start using the next one. So that's how I'd recommend handling money. Now, I'd like to discuss what I call a technology cleanse, which is an excellent thing to do if you're spending some time abroad. So this is kind of like a health cleanse. You've all pro- we've all probably had friends that went on a health cleanse, which is basically when they, uh, which is when your friends are like, hey, you know, I'm going to remove all of the junk food from my diet for a certain amount of time and I'm going to give my body the opportunity to reset itself. So we're going to kind of do the same thing with technology. So as I'm sure you've noticed, if you're a person that lives in America or in the Western world, you and your friends and the people that you work with spend a whole lot of time looking at square glowing screens. And we actually have a whole lot of our social life and our entertainment life and the things that we do to enjoy life going on inside of these square glowing screens. So when you're traveling, you get a really great opportunity to unplug yourself a little bit from your square glowing screens. So there's a couple of things that I would recommend doing, some actionable conscious steps to do. I would recommend stop Googling things. And I'm a, I'm a search engine optimization consultant when I'm not doing this podcast. So I I feel a little bit odd saying that to you, but I would seriously recommend the small questions that you have, like things like how old is the city? Where's a gas station at? What's a good gas station to eat at? Where is the food most healthy? Those type of questions, go and uh, walk around and practice your foreign language skills and find out those things from asking other people and making friends as opposed to Googling things. And you'll be amazed at, you know, something that you might have Googled and discovered the answer to in 90 seconds. If you go around, you might end up getting in a 30-minute discussion and making a new friend based upon based upon finding that out like for example I was looking for a gym to work out at so as opposed to going and just Google searching what's the closest gym nearby here I walked around and I ended up like meeting people that had practiced the same kind of martial arts that I used to practice and then we hung out and I I actually ended up doing a kung fu class at night in the middle of a park, which is something kind of crazy that I've never done before, and it was a lot of fun. But I ended up having this really great experience because I went around and made conversation with people as opposed to just Googling things. So I'd recommend that. Another thing that I would do is when you are in a social setting, make a conscious effort to not check your phone and not look at your phone unless someone is text messaging you unless someone is text messaging you or unless there's a real reason why you need to be looking at your phone pay attention to the people that you're talking with and that you're interacting with as opposed to looking at your phone and it's it's almost kind of a i almost kind of had a, had some have, have had some culture shock moments as i came back to the united states cuz here in the united states 
people, when they're in, in a social environment, they spend so much time and they give so much attention to their phones as opposed to the actual real live flesh and blood people that are in front of them. And so I actually had a little bit of culture shock coming back here at, you know, I was, I was a little bit insulted for a couple of moments, a couple of times because of how much attention people pay to their phones as opposed to the actual people in front of them. So definitely while you're traveling abroad, take advantage to unplug yourself a little bit and connect back into the, the real world a little bit more. I just Hi, this is Jonathan with Limitless Mindset, and I've got an interesting, introspective question for you. How would you rate your ability to remember the names of new people that you meet? If you're like most of us, you are probably not very good at it. I'm sure you've heard before how valuable it is to remember and use people's names. Remembering people's names will consistently make you more successful in business, social, and dating situations. I'd like to give you access to a four-part video course which will teach you in less than an hour a simple mental hack that master salespeople, politicians, and cult leaders use to remember limitless names instantaneously. The course has a $97 value, but as a listener of this podcast, you can access it for free today. To claim your free access to this video course, please visit LimitlessMindset.com. All right, and there's a couple really cool websites out there that you can utilize smartly to help you out while you're traveling. First is speedtest.net, and there's an app for this on your phone. So what you can do is when you're traveling around Central America, finding good Wi-Fi can be a legitimate problem. So go into a place with your phone before you get all set up, get your workstation going, test the Wi-Fi, and then if it's good, then you can start working there. And so this has got a great way so that you're not wasting time getting set up somewhere that doesn't have good Wi-Fi, doesn't have the bandwidth that you need to get your work done. So that's speedtest.net, very, very useful application. And the second one is a website called Numbio, which is spelled N-U-M-B-E-O. And it compares the cost of living across the entire world. So everything from rent to groceries, the cost of a taxis, restaurants, and even buying a beer. And this is great because it'll let you know what you're in for at the place that you're traveling to. And this website's really, really useful, really cool. It even will tell you the pollution and the crime. So you can compare a whole lot of cool stuff there. So definitely check out numio.com. I actually use Numbio to make the decision to go to Panama City because I was in Costa Rica and I had a little bit more time left on my trip and I was like, okay, what are the really worthwhile 
metropolitan destinations that are in this part of the world that I might want to see. So I went on Numbio and I was like, wow, Panama City. So they have this cost of living is really reasonable and the crime is really low. And I was like, wow, this is just a very, very, this place seems like a great value for the dollar. And so I did a little bit more research on it. And then I hopped on a bus and headed there. And I had a really, really awesome experience. And I found that for the most part, the values and the information that Numbio gave was pretty correct. I think Numbio, I believe, is cloud sourcing or crowdsourcing, depending upon what uh what 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 tech verbology we're gonna use there they they crowdsource their data so I don't I, I wouldn't say that it's a hundred percent accurate in all cases but for the most part I found it to be pretty accurate and it led me to find a, a really awesome place Panama City that I definitely foresee myself returning to I would recommend if you're someone that has dark hair get a tan and the reason behind this is that if you're, even if you're a white person, uh, Caucasian, if you have dark hair and you get a little bit of a tan, you can most likely pass for a Central American, especially if you speak Spanish just a little bit. And if you're, if you're not dressed like a tourist, by the way, tourists are going to be in like khaki shorts and colorful t-shirts and sandals, whereas the Central Americans are going to be in jeans, t-shirts, and tennis shoes. So if you can speak a little bit of Spanish and you get a little bit of a tan, people are going to, a lot of people are going to think at least upon very first impression, they're going to think that you're a Central American. So a lot of times this can result in getting a little bit better prices, especially when it comes to things like, say, taxi cabs. Next tip I'd like to make is that in this part of the world, people touch a whole lot more. You'll notice that you'll be, say, walking by a person on a street or you'll walk by a person in a room that you don't know at all. They're a complete stranger and they'll touch your back or they'll touch your arm or something like that. And that's just part of the culture. So I would say make a conscious effort when you're in this part of the world to not be, you know, not have creepy body language, but have some friendly, uh, friendly increased touch. And do plan on people invading your personal space. That's what happens in this part of the world. So uh, if you don't know about that already, just uh, just be ready for it. I was going to give a couple of travel suggestions here real quick as far as destinations. I would recommend getting the hell out of San Jose. San Jose is the capital of Costa Rica and a lot of flights fly into San Jose. In fact, for whatever reason, I found that most of the places in the United States flew cheaper to San Jose than they did other places in Central or South America. Not sure why this is. Maybe it's because there's already a lot of tourism economy in that country and so it makes more sense for the airports to have their routes going in there. But San Jose is not representative of the natural beauty of Costa Rica. It's a city that has a couple of nice urban areas, but for the most part, it's kind of just shanty towns and 
packed streets. The pollution is really bad there, and so is the traffic. So any time that you spend in there, you're going to be sucking down a lot of traffic fumes from those those cars down there that don't have very effective muffler systems on them. So I would recommend getting out of San Jose as quickly as possible, although you might need to fly in there. Two places I really, really enjoyed was Costco Viejo in La Ciudad de Panama. So Costco Viejo is the historical part of Panama City. And Costco Viejo actually dates back to the 1600s when Captain Henry Morgan, that's uh, Captain Morgan of uh, Captain Morgan's Rum, if you know about it, actually attacked and destroyed the settlement in this part of the world. And so it's a very old part of the city. It has all sorts of beautiful, beautiful old buildings, cathedrals, old historical buildings. And it also is a very lively city. There's a number of people that live in there. You'll see kids playing soccer in the streets. And then the culture is just excellent there. They have a ton of really great restaurants. They have neat discotheques to go to. You'll find cafes and rooftop bars and great little hole-in-the-wall places that you can go and drink a great glass of wine in. And so Costco Viejo was a was a it was a very affordable place to stay also as a traveler because there were a number of hostels there. There's also a number of really nice hotels there. If you were if you had a, a, a significant budget for a trip, you could definitely go there and stay at a really high-end hotel and have a great time. But it was also uh, very cost-effective for travelers as well. So I'd res- recommend Costco Viejo in Panama. And then in Costa Rica, I would highly recommend Dominical, which is on the Pacific West Coast of Costa Rica. And this is a quintessential surfing community. So it's going to have these gorgeous uh, beaches. There's a number of really gorgeous beaches there that are awesome for whether you're going to be scuba diving, surfing, boating, fishing, all of those adventurous type of activities that you want to do outside are right there at your doorstep in Dominical. Dominical is also somewhat undiscovered. You're going to run into a lot of really cool, local, groovy, hippie kind of locals there. And then you're also going to run into a fair amount of of savvy travelers. The tourists, not so much. You'll see a couple of them, but you aren't going to run into as many of your, your quintessential tourists there, so things are a little bit less expensive. And then in Dominical, they actually have some decent restaurants as well as some fun beach bar style nightlife going on and then they usually have festivals going on in that area also so if you enjoy live music it's a good place so those are two places that I would highly recommend spending some time if you are in Costa Rica legal notices if you or someone you know developed or created a concept piece of content or idea shared on this show, please email us at info at limitlessmindset.com so we can mention them in the show notes or provide a backlink. We want to give credit where credit is due. As a listener to the Limitless Mindset podcast, we hope you have and practice common sense. However, since some of the content covered in this show deals with subjects of a health, 
legal, or business nature, this show is for entertainment purposes. If you need recommendations of doctors, nutritionists, or attorneys to consult before making decisions that may have health or legal repercussions, please email us at info at limitlessmindset.com.